Now, talking about this book, this book, there is a one book, seven seals. So if you look there in chapter 6, he opens up the seals, and it's, to me, in my mind, it's almost like looking at the table of contents. What's in this book? This is what's in the book, but it's not all that's in the book. It just gives you a little taste of what's coming down the road. And as you read all of this, it becomes very interesting. And it seems like by the time you finish opening up the sixth seal, you've already gone through the whole book of Revelation. Well, it's laid out that way. It's telling you what's going to happen in the tribulation period. So you see there in verse 12, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, lo, there was a great earthquake, the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, the moon became as blood, stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind, Heavens depart as a scroll when it is rolled together. Mountains and islands were moved out of their places. Kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captain and the mighty men and every bondman, every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. I wonder what the Lamb mad about. You know what happened to him when he came into the world? And they were supposed to accept him as their king, but they rejected him as the king, and he became a lamb and allowed them to slaughter him. And in doing that, he became the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. But the wrath of the lamb is Jesus taking vengeance upon those who did not believe him. You see, you may not believe that Jesus Christ is who He claimed to be. You are going to believe it one day. The wrath of God abides upon every unbeliever. Now, when He makes these statements down through here and all these things that are going to happen, in verse 17, For the great day of His wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? All of this is going to take place. He's opened up the seals. But when he opens up the seventh seal, that was the last seal, something else begins. So when he opens up the seventh seal, and you'll see that if you'll look over there in chapter 8 and verse 2. See, verse 1 says, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. This is where some people say that there's no women in heaven because there's no way that you could keep women silent for a half an hour. Now, I didn't say that. That's what I heard. I, I, I heard that. But it says in verse 2, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. We often say, okay, they've opened up the book, but there has to be the blowing of a trumpet at the very beginning, because, you see, that is what calls Israel together. And when it calls Israel together... There's something that has to take place. God says, don't hurt anything yet. Don't do anything to anybody yet until he has sealed his servants. See there, look there in chapter 7. And you'll notice that down through here, he talks about this. In verse 1, 
After these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal, the seal, of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice on the four angels, or to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their forehead. So this is before they blew or loosed the seventh seal. So he's opening up seals and then says there's something else that has to be done. It's like God said, now we're going to seal 144,000 of the children of Israel. 12,000 from 12 tribes. I mentioned this one time. And uh, it didn't seem like it would make too much sense at the time. But I says, you know, there has to be some way of being able to prove what tribe a Jewish man is from. Because they say, well, there's all these, the lost, now they're done intermingled, and after all these years, how would they know who belongs to what tribe? How do they know who's the tribe of Levi, or the tribe of, you know, Ephraim, or the tribe of, you go through all these tribes, how do you know which one that you belong to? But it says there were 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from that tribe. So 12 times 12 is 144,000 of the Jewish people. They are Jewish evangelists that are going to be preaching during this period of time. And often wondered, well, what is this seal that God puts upon them? I believe it's probably the same seal he gave to us. Now, let me just show you this real quick. Look there in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now this is, this is important now. Don't, don't trust your, your memory. I know you got the Bible committed to memory, but you need to see it anyway. 2 Timothy and chapter 2. Because there's always questions about, you know, how do I know that I'm going to go to heaven if I down the road get to where I'm not sure anymore I'm going to heaven? Does, do I lose my salvation? Once you've been saved, you are always saved. You can't get lost and get saved again. Once you trust Christ as your Savior, the payment He made was for all of your sins, not most of them. Not until you sin again. It was for all of your sins so that there is no sin you can commit that can never send you to hell in the future. They're all paid once and for all. Now, because of that, He says up here in verse 18, talking about several that you know, overthrow the faith of some. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. And you ought to underline that word seal. The seal is, the Lord knoweth them that are His. The greatest seal I can ever have is God knows me. That I have believed on Him. I've trusted Him as my Savior. I have been sealed in Ephesians 1.13 by the Holy Spirit. So I am, I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. And I have this seal. God knows that I'm His child. Now that's pretty good foundation. So I've been on that foundation for 52 years. I was saved when I was 18. So for 52 years I've been on that foundation. I have shaken a little bit on the foundation, but the foundation has never shook under me. 
He means what he says, and it's true. How do I know I'm going to heaven? Because God says I am. The only truth that I have. It's the only evidence that I need. He said so. God's word says so. So at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, is it possible that God is going to seal 144,000 of the children of Israel before he starts this whole thing off and opens that last seal? So that means that the rapture takes place, and before all the seals are open, somewhere along the line, somebody has got to have 144,000 Jewish evangelists. Somebody has to win to the Lord. I don't know how it's going to be done. Or enough seed has been sown, and when the rapture takes place, they believe. I don't know. I'll let God figure out how He's going to do all that. I'm not trying to get God out of a jam because I don't believe He's in one. He knows what He's doing, and there's a seal. Now go back there to the book of Revelation. And you'll notice there in verse 3 again, where He says in chapter 7, saying, Hurt not the earth, nor the sea, nor the trees, till we've sealed the servants of our God in their forehead. The only thing you do about your forehead is that's where your brain is, which you, where you believe. So I have believed on Jesus Christ. God knows that I believe, and that is my seal. My faith is in Him. Now, it may be more than that, or does He walk up to you and He has a stamp and He stamps you on the head? I don't think God has to do that. He didn't do that with us. And here there is a seal. He knows that we belong to Him. So I believe there's more to it that way than any other way. So this is going to be done. The seals are all open. And then when they are open in chapter 8, he says up in verse 1, When he had opened the seventh seal, then, down there in verse 3, there is the seven trumpets. You see, in the first one, where he opens up the seals, you'll notice here in chapter 6 and verse 1, And I saw, in verse 2, And I saw, in verse 3, When he had opened the second base, I heard, and so forth. So you go down through here, and it's what you see and what you hear. One, it seems like there's a view from the heaven view, and then there's other views, it looks like it's an earthly view. So you have a human perspective and a divine perspective. And you're seeing things in the angelic world from a divine perspective because you can't see the angels working. But from that view, you can see things in the spiritual realm that you couldn't see in the natural realm. But from the physical realm, you can see all the other things going on, and you're not going to like what you see. So as you go through here, and it talks about these trumpets, and these trumpets are going to sound. And as they sound, they're talking about the pouring forth of a judgment of God. So by the time you get to chapter 16, it's talking about God pouring out bowls of judgment upon the earth. And you talk about He hits the sun and He hits the moon. He hits the earth, the green grass, the green trees, burns up things. And all these things that are so physical. Look there in chapter 16 of the book of Revelation. Now here you'll notice that it's things that you feel. You see, you talk about the worst period of time upon the earth and what people are going to go through. Financially, the money's gone. Socially, nobody trusts anybody. The Bible talks about everybody squeals on everybody else. Their own family will turn on family. They did this during Hitler's reign. They're going to do it again. 
You cannot trust those of your own household. Aren't you glad you won't be here when this happens? We're going to be with the Lord. Now, how bad things are going to get before that, I don't know. It don't look too good to me. I would think, Lord, if you ever was going to come back, now's a pretty good time. So I'm, I'm ready. And so, if you'll notice here in verse 2, the first went out and poured out his vial upon the earth. There was a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast. So there's physical problems that they have to go through. And then it talks about in verse 3. The second angel poured out his vial upon the sea. It became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. And verse 4 talks about the rivers turning into blood. I mean, this is, this is terrible. It looked down in verse 8. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. And power was given unto him to scorch men with fire because it gets so hot. Now, is it because the earth upon its axis was shaken because of the war that there's going to be because the Bible says every mountain and island is going to be moved out of its place and then it will reel back and forth as a drunk man mentioned in the book of Isaiah and the Bible describes in the book of Zechariah in chapter 14 in verse 11 where it says uh, there will be a plague upon the earth and while they stand upon their feet their flesh shall consume away in their holes and their eyes sockets I mean, here you are, alive, on your feet, and all of a sudden your body begins to come off of your bones. What kind of a war in the world is that? What kind of a war is it when a third of the green grass is all burned up? And all green trees are burned up. Mentions that in the book of Revelation chapter 8. So these are things that are going to take place, and these are bowls of judgment that God pours out. And it says there in uh, verse 9, Men were scorched with great heat, blasphemed the name of God, and it didn't help them one iota. Everything God does is to get people to Him. But instead of coming to the Lord, they got mad at the Lord. And look what he says in verse 10. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongue for pain. Now this is why they're alive. This is not when they're dead. This is not in hell. This is why they're alive on the earth and all the things that are going to happen. Yes, Christ comes back, and um, there's the worst period of time on the face of the earth. We come back with Christ to the earth, live upon the earth for a thousand years, just like it was the Garden of Eden. Now, I'm looking forward to that. Now, take your Bible and turn all the way over there to chapter 20 in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 20. And you'll notice there in verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now, I want you just to hold your place right here. But look with me in, in Luke chapter 10, the gospel of Luke chapter 10. There's a verse I want to show this to you. Luke chapter 10 and verse 17. 
God had sent 70 people out, two by twos, not into the ark, throughout the nation of Israel, preaching, and He gave them power. He gave them all kinds of power. They come back, and buddy, they were excited about the power that He had given to them. So in verse 17, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through Thy name. And He said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not. What? He says, regardless of the power that you have, which he gave to them, and they didn't keep it forever, and nobody has that power today. I don't go around healing people. It's been taken away, but I do believe in prayer. I really believe in prayer. I pray all the time. You talk to the Lord about a lot of things. But it doesn't mean just because you pray and you want to stay well that you're going to stay well. You could get sick. And it may be the will of God because it has a higher purpose. He may want you to learn something. He may want you to learn to need a need. And get what he says here. Behold, in verse 20, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but underline this phrase, but rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Evidently, not everybody's name is written in this Lamb's book of life. Now go back there to the book of Revelation. Revelation and chapter 20. When he says in verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, plural, according to their works. You see, it's one thing to know, and you'd love to be able to see inside of that book. But there is a book that you can't see into it yet. A book that has everybody's name in it called the book of the living. And everything that you've done. See, that's the flesh birth. The first birth, when you were born into the world, there's a book. And you are all born, and you're in the book of the living. And everything that you do and think is all recorded. There's somebody, you ever hear somebody say that? God keeps the books. He sure does. And I'll bet you he keeps good books. And he has books on every individual. Now, there is this book of the living for those for the first birth. When you trust Christ as your Savior, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's a different book. This is the Lamb's book of life. This book, there is no deaths recorded. Because you can't die. Over here, you die. And God's going to bring you back from the dead, and you're going to stand at the great white throne judgment, and you're going to be judged out of the book of the living. And there's the books and everything that you've ever done. 
according to your works, God is going to be able to condemn you to hell for all eternity. The only ones who go to heaven are those that believed on Jesus Christ, trusted Him as Savior, and their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And that's why you're going to be judged if you're lost, as he says here in verse 13, where it says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. That's in the books. Judge according to the works. People think they're good enough to go to heaven. God's going to show every man that he was not good enough to go to heaven. Your works are as filthy rags. That's why every man is to trust Christ as the Savior. It won't matter what you did down here and accomplish and how great you were and what kind of so-called power you had. Rejoice if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So the Lamb's Book of Life are those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. So look what he says about this. But first of all, in verse 14, Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So not everybody's name is in the book of life. You're all in the book of the living. This is your first birth. Only those who have had a second birth are in the Lamb's book of life. That's those who trusted Christ as Savior. This is why we rejoice because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we're going to heaven whenever we die. And we are going to be rewarded because of what we have done. Over here, people had not trusted Christ as Savior. Will be cast into the lake of fire. Whosoever did not have their name written in that book. It boils down to anyone who did not trust Christ as their Savior will spend an eternity separated from God in hell. So there is the book and the books and the book. So um, I hope that makes sense to you. Could you all follow all of that? Good. I'm glad you followed me. So important. Because, you see, it helps you to understand there are some things God doesn't let us know. But there are enough things God let us know that we ought to trust Him as our Savior and that we ought to serve Him. And those who turn many to righteousness shall shine as the brightness of the firmament forever and ever and ever. Nobody can make you share the gospel. Nobody can make you tell people how to go to heaven. But for those that do, there's something special for you. That's all God says. All I do is pass it on. Just pass it on. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us, but He hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. Now, He loves us. He hates what we do wrong, but He loves us. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God, and none of us are perfect. We've all sinned. We've all come short of God's glory or short of God's perfection. And the Bible says you cannot save yourself. By your works, you cannot be saved. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us, 
hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead and said that if we would believe that he did it for us, he will put this payment to our account. We get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. When you believe that and you trust him as your Savior, you are born again, born into God's family. You become a child of God. Your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. It can never be blotted out of the book of life. Your name will be blotted out of this book because you're, you have been moved into this book. You see, your sins are all gone. Nothing there can ever bother you here. God can only reward you for what you've done for Him. He can't punish you in heaven because Christ died for all of your sins. You have a new birth. And the only thing you get rewarded for in heaven is what the new birth did. The new birth can't commit sins. Only the flesh did that. That was the old birth. You see, I've got two of them. One when I was born into the world, and that's the one you see, the old flesh birth. The longer I live, the worse I get looking. One day I'm going to have a new body to go with my new birth. So one of these days, he's going to split the eastern sky. And we're going to be checking out of here. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here tonight, or if you're watching by internet, realize that God does love you. And regardless of what you accomplish in this world, or how good you may think you are, God keeps the books. And there is a book opening party one day. And he's going to show you everything you have ever done. And you're not going to like what you see. You're going to find that you are not perfect. You are not good enough. God only lets perfect people into his perfect heaven. And by our works, we are not perfect and never will be. He will give you his perfection. See, if God gave you his perfection, his righteousness... That would make you as righteous, as perfect as God himself. It's a gift. It's totally free. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you do it right now? So with heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around. If you have never trusted Christ, would you trust him now? And if you will trust Christ as your Savior, would you just let me know by an uplifted hand? If you've never done it before, but tonight you say, that made sense to me, and I'm going to be certain of going to heaven, and I will trust Christ as my Savior. And with all before we close. Right where you are, the only thing you have to do, it's the only thing you can do. Will you believe he died for your sins? And will you trust him as your Savior? Friend, I pray that you will. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We're thankful for your word that you've given us. We pray for the clarity of your word. Yes, there's some things we don't understand, but the things that we do, Lord, you've, you've made it simple enough for us to, to be able to hang on to the grass. And we just pray for wisdom to do the things that we should do. Because one day, when we get to heaven, we'll be so glad we did. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.